All right, y'all, what's going on? Welcome to this week's episode of the Table of Hoop. I'm your co-host, Coach Mabels, a.k.a. Mapes mm-hmm. here with Kings. Kings, what is going on? Man, we're doing solid, man. Doing solid. Doing solid, man. After a while, let's get back to the basketball. Uh, we are doing something a little different this week. So mm-hmm. and all, the, all the feedback we get, the one that kept coming up was doing like a mailbag Q&A thing. So I dropped the uh, the tweet earlier today on, on recording day, and just to see, you know, the feeler. And we got a lot of good questions. So, you know, today's episode is going to be about, you know, kind of what you guys wanted to hear. So we're going to go down. I picked out some questions I think will be interesting and spark some conversation. So, you know, let's, let's get right to it. You ready? Yeah. Yes, sir. Question one, G underscore Martin 21 asks, is there any concern that LeBron has to come back at a certain time for continuity on-court chemistry issues, or will it be smooth sailing right away once he's back? I will let you go first. Uh, I think um, I think Den- I think Dennis already let the cat out of the bag on that one. Um, <laughs> he, said, he said that they need on-court chemistry, so uh, yeah, it's not going to be smooth sailing. Um, it's it's actually been kind of odd. Um, one of the reasons why you see Dennis emerging so much uh, with LeBron absence is that he's having the ball more in his hands. He's getting more featured plays. Um, one of the things me and my mutual would, would always talk about early on in the year was that Lakers in the early on would do a lot of force feeding to LeBron and to AD. And even some fans kind of complained about that with AD coming back. It's like, oh, it kind of felt like, you know, we were just trying to get 80 touches to get him back into a rhythm. And obviously, that's better long term, but uh, there's not offensive cohesion. Uh, like I, I said all year, that's a coaching thing. I mean, it's not <laughs> sure that can be changed at this point, but I'm just hoping at least the players can figure out, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Um, it's and not with Drummond added to the mix. You don't know how often Trez is going to play. You know, Gasol's pound. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's a lot going on. It's a lot, a lot going on. Uh, man, um, LeBron always gets it together for the playoff run, but uh, he's going to have his uh, his work a little bit cut out for him uh, go- going into it because uh, there's a lot they got to they gotta get on the same page offensively. Yeah, um, I agree with what you say. I think, um, you know, they do have that last year to piggyback on, but you still want to gather – some continuity going forward. Like LeBron hasn't played one minute with uh, Drummond in the mix. That is going to be a big adjustment. Uh, they actually have a question about how that works going down. I'm interested to see what you say about that. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you know, LeBron and Dennis, I think they were starting to build something. Then he got hurt. So I think that needs right. to be you know, reestablished. And of course, AD's already been out. So that, you know, that also has to be, you know, tuned. But, you know, yeah, they just got to get kind of continuity. I think they said first week of May, I think, was a target date uh, for LeBron. So, you know, we'll see. I think they're going to have to get on a roll. I think what what makes it uh, interesting is there, there's a seating issue as far as them trying to uh, maintain some seating. So they will have to kind of hit the ground kind of running. To, right. You know, I'm not, I don't think they're in danger of going to the play-in, but they got to, you know, they just they got to win a few games just to ensure it. So, those games right. definitely will matter when, when they get back. So that's where I am with that. Good question, Greg, or G, not Greg. G, G underscore Martin, I don't know your first name. 
Lamar at the Dad King NC asks, what are your thoughts on Nate McMillan having the Hawks in playoff contention? You think this is a step toward a deep playoff run in the future? Um, I, with, with Nate McMillan, I, I've always said this. He is one of, uh, in my opinion, the best culture building coaches in, in the NBA. Yeah. I think a lot of coaches have different strengths. I think his is establishing, you know, accountability and a culture. You know, he's, he's done it in every stop he's been, you know, Portland, uh, Indiana, and, and now in, in Atlanta. So I think he's actually perfect for what the Hawks needed with the, such a young team or, or the building around a young star. I think his voice was needed for what, what they were trying to do. So uh, it's definitely a foundation building towards it. I don't think it'll come this year. I think there'll be one round and done. But I think they definitely are building a foundation for something special in Atlanta if they can continue to, to grow with this group. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Coach Nate, like you said, is building a, a solid cultural foundation that's probably going to help Trey the, the most. Um, I think if you've seen with Trey's um, – I'm not sure if his, if his usage numbers have gone down this year. I haven't checked his usage numbers. I know his points have gone down this year, and I'm and I'm thinking, you know, that's because he's trying to uh, being coached up to spread the wealth more, incorporate some of the other guys, and not be as ball dominant. I think one of the things Trey Young should challenge himself to be is a uh, be that twenty to twenty five points per game guy with a ten plus assist. Um, I think that's what he needs to be. To, to be. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think he needs – I mean, I know he has the talent to be a 30 points per game, uh, you know, shot shocker, but I think, you know, he has a, he's a very good passer. Uh, he, he's, he has good four general skills. I really think he, you know, would be much more beneficial for his team, you know, leaning on guys like, um, you know, uh, Bogdanovich, um, uh, Collins, uh, Reddish, just leaning on those guys, getting them to develop to be offensive threats because those those are a lot those are very good guys. You know, Gallinari, same thing. If he gets less those guys score, it'll open them up and make it easier for him. Yep, and, exactly. And you know, I mean, and you know, he can be their closer because he can score anywhere on the floor. So if those guys are going, it's opened up for him, or when they need a bucket, and he can easily get one. So, like, I feel like he should be a Steve Nash 2.0 type, you know what I mean, where he can be the Nash that we wanted to score more. Because a lot of people felt like Steve Nash should have scored a lot more. I feel like right, Trey Young right, right. can mold himself into that. Right. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah I agree. Um to piggyback off your point, he's going to need those guys, you know, deeper in the playoffs because it gets tougher for smaller guards. Like we've seen, yep. you know, Chris Paul's an all timer. It just deep in the playoffs, it just gets tougher, you know, for those type of guys, you know. So, you know, I'm interested to see how they go. But you know, kudos to Nate, man. You know, I know a guy who's you know never taken over midseason, you know, one coach of the year, but he definitely should be in them at least on the outskirts of that conversation based on where they were when he took over and you know what has, what has transpired uh, since. And what does that show for, you know, the Pacers, how they look compared to how the Hawks look <laughs> night and day, right? Yeah. Rick Wanji asks, given Harden is not, given James Harden not coming back until the playoffs, how important is that first seed for the Nets? 
Could it be the difference between having to go through Miami, Philadelphia, and the Bucks, or having the AFC and playing only one of Philadelphia and the Bucks? That is a good question. As far as the Nets, for me, with their talent, the seeding was never going to be an issue for me with their talent. Mm-hmm. It was all, are these guys going to get healthy enough to get on the floor and build some type of rhythm? And it doesn't look like, you know, that's going to, to happen. Um I guess I see the point you make about uh, you know a possible not as tough a path, but after the first round of playoffs, it's, it's a dogfight in both conferences this year. So it's not really a you know yeah. not really such such thing as an easier or easier path in my opinion. That's that's where I am with that. So where are you with the Nets and worrying about seeding? No. I'm just looking at both conferences, man. It's man, this is tough for a lot of teams. Man. <laughs> There's no easy matchup. I mean, if you're the Jazz, I mean, John Morant and the way the Grizzlies are looking with JJJ back, that's a tough team. If I mean, obviously, if Steph makes it, that's tough. Right. See, you know, I mean, as you know, as much as the Blazers don't have defense, you know, you don't want to have to willingly have to defend CJ and Dame for a seven game series early on. You know what I mean? And looking at the East, man. Um, like you said, the Nets are talented where the seeding didn't matter. But what did I tell you at the beginning of the year? What was the first round series Wizard. Yeah. <laughs> man, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at that 10th seed. I'm looking at the 10th seed. If you have to – look, I told people when the Nets were full hell, you know, because I think the Wizards beat the Nets' the net big three when the uh, when the when the Harden played. They played they one time yeah, and yeah. I think they got to win. I think they're undefeated against the Nets this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I just I'm, I'm imagining how charged up Westbrook would be for that series. It'll be. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that the Wizards would win that series, obviously, but I mean, right. that would I thought that would be a like a sneaky tough series with Hart. You know what I mean? Just because of you know, uh, so it's, it's going to be a first playoff season with the big three together. Um, you know, the rush is charged up. It's going to be an up and down game because no one's going to be defending. And the Wizards have a lot of spacing for us, but if you take out Harden and it's Kyrie and KD against Russ and Beal, that's gonna be—I mean, if that happens, that's 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 gonna be a lot. I mean, I could see a series where KD and Kyrie have to play forty minutes a night. I mean, that's not good. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like that's not that's not ideal. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, what I mean, like that's what I'm looking at with the Nets, and I'm not looking at that they're gonna get, they're gonna lose that series. But it's one of those things where, man, you want your your guys playing 40 minutes a night to have to beat the Washington. I mean, you might have to do that. So, yeah, man, like it's it's. I think for the Nets, you just get the best seed you can, and and just take because whoever's the AC most likely will not be good. Um, I just think in their case. I I think they should hope the Wizards don't be the AC because I, I I don't think that I agree. The Wizards are scorching hot right now. On top of it, that's so you're going to be facing a team that's hot on top of you know on on top of everything that you just mentioned. So that would be really interesting. I I agree. Good yeah, question. like uh, you know, I I used to think the Pacers would be giving them a hard time, but with how they're rocky, they are. If I'm the Nets, I probably want to see the Pacers or, or Hornets. Yeah, but and just and just having those type of players, man, like you know. You know, we may have our qualms about Westbrook and Bill, but those are potentially explosive yeah. players. So, you know, the Pacers those are just have those. Yeah, Pacers yeah, just don't have them. Right. And you know what? I had to give – I've given Westbrook a hard time before we go. I've given Westbrook a hard time about his clutch numbers. 
his clutch shooting is almost at the top of the league this year as far as yeah. – so I, I got to I gotta give a shout-out there. He's been amazing in crunch time this season. So, you know, shout-out Westbrook. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh, this is a good one. From Platonto One, of the teams would you consider contenders, which do you think has the likely highest likelihood of having a bad flame out? It doesn't be have to be a large chance, but who has the highest? For me, that's easy. It's it's the Utah Jazz for me. Yeah. Given what's in front of them, like they possibly could be playing Curry in the first round and then the Lakers in the second round. Like for a team to have a season that good, man, that's your prize. <laughs> I think the potential for flame out is high, but I will say this also depends on your definition of a flame out. Because to me, losing right. to the Lakers, the Lakers will be favored anyway if as long as they're healthy. So you know that's also to consider. On top of that, my other candidate, man, you know it's funny. I picked them to go out the East, but if the Sixers get the wrong matchup in the first round, that's also dicey. Like I don't, uh, I'll never tell Reek this to his face on a timeline. But if they play Boston in the first round, uh, I, I'd be a little bit nervous. From, from my Miami, right? Exactly. I'd be looking for my Philadelphia pick, so that there's potential there. And then also, you know, the third team is probably the Nets if they don't get healthy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that's that's a legitimate hurdle if they don't get healthy or, or have enough rhythm. The team they play early could kind of catch them sleeping, like potentially. You know, I'm not gonna pick it, but they just is like right. yeah. So you know. What are yours? Who are yours? So those are all three of those are literally the top of my, at the top. Literally <laughs> every all three of those teams, like if they lost early, like like the Nets, if they had Harden lost early, I I'd honestly if they if Nets didn't at least make the second round with Harden, I'd be surprised. But without Harden, be limited and all that, like it absolutely wouldn't shock me. Although I it shouldn't happen. And I don't think it will happen. I wouldn't bet against it to happen. It just wouldn't. It would be one of those things. I'd be like, ah, I could, I could see how this happened. But uh, that's that's like my third least likely. The second is Philly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just don't believe in Philly. This is the matchup. Uh, matchups, and I just have to see it with Philly, man. Matchups, coaching, just a lot of things to not like about them. Like you know, the thing with the Nets, you don't question the talent. You don't question whether they have playoff pedigree or playoff, you know, type basketball is just the health and the chemistry. That's literally right, right. And the defense obviously, but you know, those three things are the only things, but you don't question whether they're good enough to easily go through the East. You know they can win the East and go to the finals. But with the Sixers, you have talent questions, you have coaching questions, <laughs> you have matchup questions. So yeah, you know, those that they're my second likely and then my number one I mean, I'm already on the timeline saying, <laughs> I, I, I'll kid you not, if it was Utah and the Warriors in the first round, I'll pick the Warriors. Man, I'm, not, see, I'm, not, I'm, not, man. I'm not playing with you. I'll you, pick know, the you, Warriors. Know, you know what scares me? I saw that last game in Oracle where the Warriors won. Not Oracle, with Chase, where the Warriors won this year. And what scared me was, you know, Rudy was dominant, and they still lost. Yeah. And, you know, Steve is going to pick on him or try to pick on him in a series. 
And I don't know if he's going to be that dominant over the course of a series and have, and, and, and they still lost the game. So I'm a little, if I'm Utah, my, I, I do not want to play Golden State out there playing. You definitely root, like, root for anybody else to get out. My my issue with my, with with this is to, with this, if your team isn't coached up to blitz and trap or switch, you're 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 done. In the playoffs, uh, absolutely, I agree. I agree. Like like, like 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 you know, if you if you're playing drop coverage, I'm sorry, I give Curry a chance at all times against your team if you're playing drop coverage. Uh, it's, it's, I will say this before you go on. Uh, the switch numbers for Rudy look a lot better this year than they have in the past, but I, I think that's still something that teams are going to try to exploit. We, go ahead. You know, we'll, 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 you know, the coach, will his coach let trust that though? Exactly, you know exactly, exactly. It's exactly. the only thing that he's doing better, but when it's do or die, are they going to experiment with that or are they going to go fall back on what they've been doing? You know what I mean? And like, yeah, from yeah. what I've seen, Utah is not the type of team to trap and switch, you know, trap a lot either. No, because that's one thing you can do with Curry if you're not if you don't like to switch is what the Cavs did because obviously they were playing uh, Kevin Love so they weren't trying to switch all the time or play drop they would trap and that's what Lou brought the infamous trapping blitz for Curry to give him his bad games but I don't see the Utah Jazz employing a lot of traps you know what I mean in their defensive strategy so it's a lot of drop coverage and and, and utilizing Rudy's length and his defensive IQ. Curry eats drop coverage alive. Doesn't matter who the big is, you're, you'll get destroyed. So, yeah, man. Any team playing drop coverage against Steph Curry is a yeah, bro. Like, I, and like, and like the thing with the Warriors, man. Like, yeah, the role players aren't that great, but their weakness to exploiting the role players is through the wings. Right. Uh, yeah. They don't have means that's gonna make you know Wiggins work or make. Dre work or make Ubre work. If you're gonna give them size advantages uh, for their defensive assignments, like if they have, to, if their defense assignments is guarding guards who they're bigger than because they're both athletic, that's not gonna wear them out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I was gonna say I think the Warriors of those playing teams they have the best personnel to throw at Mitchell too. Yep. You know between you know Wiggins, JTA. You know what I'm saying? Those type of guys who can Ubre can defend, like those three, I'm sure that would take the brunt of the responsibility, guard him. And I think that's kind of ideal for what you want to put on, you know, Mitchell. So that would be right. interesting to see, in my opinion. And Clarkson, don't, I mean, they'll make their, all their lives look Right, 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 right. Him too, him so, too as well. It's not a good matchup, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if, if they, like I said, if Utah gets Warriors, I will pick the Warriors when that series. Oh, whew. Spicy. All right, next question. Justin Curry, between the Knicks and the Hawks, which team has the best chance to win a playoff series? Uh, where I am with this is the Knicks are an elite defense, so I'm always going to lean there. They're their top five defense, and they play a playoff style anyway, so I think they're they're probably going to lean most into possibly winning a series depending on the matchup. As of right now, actually, looking, the Hawks and the Knicks would actually play each other in the first round, the four or five slot, but it's like one mm-hmm. game. So that, I think that's going to change. It depends. A lot of it depends on the matchup, too. But if they were to play each other, I'd probably pick the Knicks because of the defense. And I remember that I actually saw the Knicks-Hawks game. That's probably mm-hmm. some of the best defense I've seen on Trey uh, all season, what the Knicks are able to do. So if they play each other, I'd probably pick the Knicks, but my Knicks is anyway. Also, it's probably Julius Randle, you know, love within me. Uh, so, yeah, I'd probably go with the Knicks from there. What about you, Kings? 
Yeah, I, I have to go with the defense here because both teams are relatively inexperienced. And if you're inexperienced, um, the teams that at least plays that defends consistently always has the better chance of winning. Uh, you know, yeah, the Hawks have more, you know, talent to close yep. games yep. and to outscore teams. But um, like I said, it's the playoffs. You're not playing regular teams. You know what I mean? You're going to be playing like, you know, the Celtics. They might play each other, like you said, the Heat. And in those type of teams, you want to – you're going to have to be able to uh, not only execute in half court, but get a lot of stops. And I think it's going to favor the teams who can get stops. And, and the Knicks at least have a star, and they have a nice young player in Barrett. Yeah. And they have good role players who can play off these guys. I was going to say, um, and the role players have playoff experience too. So and the Rose, role Gibson, have, the guys yeah. they play. Right, they Derrick Rose, Gibson, all of them, they have playoff experience. So it's not like, you know, the Hawks where some of these guys have playoff experience – but the be- their best guys do not. They're very young, very green, and they don't get stops. So I have to go with the team that's that 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 can do that. And uh, Dibs is more experienced in the playoff coaching as well as as well. Also, very true. Thank you, Justin Curry. All right, this is a good. I'm gonna let you go first on this one. This is this this is a good one. Ordale Robbie asks, when evaluating all-time talent on your list, how do you value floor raisers versus ceiling raisers? And which players in NBA history would you describe as both? Floor raisers and ceiling raisers. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a floor raiser, right, is the um, – that's like the um, – those are the guys where you drop off anywhere, right? That team is always going to be competitive. Right. Um, you're looking at the James Hardens. That's like the prime example, right? Of a floor yeah. raiser. Hey, I'll say, I was, was going to say know? that in my answer. That's like, yeah, that's like the perfect example of a floor raiser. You know what I mean? You're not sure if you'll ever win a chip, but you'll know you'll always be competitive and you'll always be in the mix. Um, ceiling raisers are guys where, you know, <sighs> Because the thing with Flores, like Harden, it's harder to just drop onto other with other players. At least from what we've seen so far in Harden's career, it's hard to just drop off, drop him off with other players and think you're going to win because he has a certain play style that you know requires you your team to play a certain way. With ceiling raisers, these are guys who you know if you force them to carry their own team, you're not sure if they can win. Like your team may not always be good, but if you pair them with other talented players, you have a championship team. Uh, right. Perfect example right. today is Anthony Davis. You know, this is a guy on his own, missed the playoffs frequently. Uh, did he have the best help? No. But, I mean, a lot of all-timers never had help either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's many all-timers who didn't have help that had better output for playoff competition, for at least getting to the playoffs, but – uh, there's no doubt, though, when you put Anthony Davis on a team that has a solidified foundation and has a, a, a number one, you automatically will become a title team. Yeah. Uh, because Anthony Davis has that skill set. Then we go to the guys that are both floor and ceiling raisers. Well, just all time Mount Rushmore guys. All time Mount Rushmore guys, the LeBrons, Kobe's. Um, I'll be I'll 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 obviously those are the obvious ones, but I'll give you two other ones that some people might not think of. Uh Curry's and the KDs. 
those are those are those are guys too who as you can see with Curry, you're gonna have a, a floor. You know what I mean? He's gonna keep you in the playoff mix. Uh, KD, same thing. He was always gonna keep you in the playoff mix. And when you put them on any team that has an established star, you become an automatic title contender. So those, yeah, those floor, there's floors and ceiling raisers are guys who you can put on any team and they become a title contender and they can carry their own team. And you have the ceiling raisers where. You know, they're not, they may not be able to carry their own team, but if you put them on a, on a great team, they're going to be, you know, they're, they're, that team going to be a title team. Kyrie is another example of that. And then you have the four, the four Razors like Harden. Right. They're going to always keep you competitive, but who knows if you'll win a chip with them. Yeah. It was funny. My, my example actually for the, like, for my prime example for the Silly Razor was actually, you know, Draymond at his best. Right, you know what I'm saying? Because you weren't going to put him on like the Orlando Magic, and they were going to win 50 games, right? But you put right. him with established stars. Like my all time, I was like, you know, I bet you know Lillard and CJ would have loved to have a, a Draymond on their team. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he would have would have you know maximized whatever championship chance they had just having him on the roster. You know what I'm saying? So I think Draymond fits in that mode. All time guys are both to me, like you said. The you know LeBron's, Kobe's, Michael Jordan's, uh, even the Hakeem's man. You know what I'm saying? The, the, uh-huh. In his prime, you know Shaq. It was like you, you pair those guys in the right situation, you're a championship contender, and they're gonna get you to the playoffs every year. You know those 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 type. Uh, Tim Duncan, not trying to be disrespectful, was a whole bunch of you know the any top ten guy probably qualifies as both. You know, in, in my opinion, um, uh-huh. as far as NBA history goes. With the with the question, um, how do I evaluate? Well, I think I'll look at the guys who are both first, and that's a great question. Which one do you? If you had to choose one, take the floor raiser or the ceiling raiser. Uh, what do you go with, Kings? That's a good question. Yeah, to choose one. I mean, it's, it's hard because like, <laughs> it, just, it just depends on your team, man. Like that's true. I mean, if if if, if you want. If you're talking about who gives you the best chance to win a title, you definitely have to go with the ceiling raisers. Because at the end of the day, those guys, for whatever reason, they end up on teams and end up winning because they're easier plug-and-play guys. So I think you got to go with the floor, the, the ceiling raisers if you had to choose one. Right. All right. S1 Pixels asks – is this the perfect time to break the CJ Dame duel up? And what options are out there to approve the team if they do? Uh, my answer was yes to this question two years ago. I thought they should have cashed in when CJ's value, uh, value was at its highest after he went crazy in that San Antonio Spurs series and then they lost the next round. Or is that the, the Nuggets? Uh, was, yeah, the nuggets. When they closed out the Nuggets and then they lost the next When they made it to the Western Conference Finals and just they were up by 8-15 every game and lost – I was like, you got to cash in on CJ, you know, value. I thought, you know, there were some whispers a couple years ago about a, a CJ for Middleton trade. I thought that would have been perfect for both teams, given the age at the time. I don't know how it looks now with the guys a little older and how I would, how I would change the teams. But, you know, if anything where you can move CJ for a wing, it's tough for him now because he's 30. And I don't know if the value is to, to get back is going to be the same. But I definitely think it's time to move on from that and try to get – like a real two-way wing instead of playing two small guards in the backcourt. It's just so tough for the Blazers defensively. Like right now, they have the fourth worst defense in NBA history. 
all NBA history is fourth worst and by far the worst in the league this year. So yes, it's time. Uh, your follow-up question, I don't know what that looks like looking at the landscape. I don't know how how much value the 30-year-old CJ, you know, has been an all-star level, never been an all-star actually, what value he's going to give you at age 30. So where are you with that, Kings? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, especially with Norman Powell, you kind of, I mean, I feel like they got Norman Powell. Part of the reason why they got him is because they, uh, yeah. they're, they're getting ready to move uh, one of the two. Um, CJ from Milton is the ideal trade I've been looking at. Talking with Bucks fans, I think the concern for the Bucks would be, you know, who would they replace as wing? Pretty sure you could see them going as more of a into a more of a cheap wing option. But I think a CJ for Middleton trade, if either were looking to improve, I think that's the trade that both look for to, you know, to increase their chances. Because I think, cause I think with the wing, you can find a, a, a defensive wing type anyway. And, you know, with CJ and with Drew and with Giannis, you would have enough offense. You wouldn't need that wing to score. You would just need them to defend and hit open threes. Um, so I think it's a trade that makes sense for both teams, depending on how each of them do. Each of them does. Um, we'll have to see, though. But like you said, uh, this would have been easier to do two years ago. Um, it's a lot more difficult now. The return value for CJ is really not that as high as it should be or as high as you want it to be. So, yeah, it, I don't know what that looks like other than outside of the CJ for Middleton trade. Yeah, it's going to be um, But, yeah, I think it's time to blow it up. All right. I told you, man, Catino, Mobley, and Steve Francis are their time, man. That's that's what that yeah. was. Catino and Steve. Uh, Damon, shout out Damon Rangula, man, one of the homies. If we do indeed get the Nets Lakers in the finals, do you think the value of the regular season – Erodes to the point where serious changes to the league structure is considered mid-season cup as previously rumored. That is a great question. Um, if the Nets and Lakers, well, I do think we have, if the Nets and Lakers make the finals, I think teams are going to follow suit and go with the super duper rest the players uh, method. During the regular season, like it's gonna get bad if they both don't, if both those teams make it. If they see the amount of rest that they, you know, guys, those guys got getting ready for the playoffs, I think teams are gonna lean into that. Now, what the NBA's counter will be, I don't know. As far mm. as the the mid season cup, I don't know how much money you put into it. These guys' salaries are all guaranteed, so I think it has to be a super amount of money to really move the needle. Uh, you know. People talk about draft compensation, but, you know, how are you going to get guys to play hard for guys you're going to draft to replace them? So it's just – it's it's always it's, it's always something, you know, two sides are considered to everything, but I do think that it will need to be looked at if that happens. Kings, where are you with this? Yeah, I mean, it's like – it's really, as you know, a, a copycat league, you know. So exactly. If, if you see – the Nets and Lakers, I wouldn't even say the Lakers because, you know, the thing with the Lakers is that it was really they just got hurt in the middle of the year. Right, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't so much rest. It was hurt. Yeah. It wasn't so much rest. They got they actually did get hurt. I mean, this is a team where AD and LeBron played a lot of games last year. 
you know, they didn't purposely take games off. LeBron wasn't purposely trying to take games off. Uh, and they have they do have continuity. I think if the Nets win the championship, like I said, that's going to change how we philosophically look at basketball. <laughs> their big three has only played seven games this season. Seven, bro. Seven. They, they have bad defense with no chemistry. Or with 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 you no know, with good chemistry with no chemistry their defense I mean it gotten better but it's still very it's still suspect and now and they don't have the chemistry to make it as good as it needs to be in my opinion and rookie head coach uh, a lot of resting you no know, Kyrie taking PTOs um, <laughs> they win the title I think that would be the ultimate yeah man forget about all this culture stuff, we just need talent. <laughs> yeah, man, I, yeah, that's uh, it would be crazy. I also think we still have to consider it's kind of a COVID season too and kind yeah. of a crunch schedule so teams are being extra safe with that anyway. So I, I'm definitely interested to see how it looks where next season will be kind of semi-normal with, you know, a more spread out schedule and guys able to get the normal rest and practice time, you know, from, from, from game to game and in between games. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know. How, I mean, I guess people talk about you know cups, uh, type of mid-season cups. I mean, I don't know what the rewards you want to make it. Exactly. This, you know, this exactly. Is this isn't soccer. I mean, this is you beat the best team in the playoffs and you advance. So I don't know how what type of reward you can give. Maybe you say you know whoever wins the mid-season cup gets home court throughout the playoffs. Like, ah, that's a, that's a good incentive. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I know how kind of Major League Baseball, I think, is you win the All-Star game. All-Star game, game yep. Yeah. Right, so let's do the mid-season cup. Say whoever wins the mid-season cup, you know, if they make the playoffs, they get they get home court advantage. So that, that gives an incentive now to the good teams and to the teams who are on the on the verge to get a, you know, get a nice hot streak going, win that, and then, wow, even if you're eight seed now, you still have home court advantage. Like, it's, a, it's a cool thing. Um, it's a cool thing. So I think that's something to look at. Um but at the end of the day, uh, it's about what's going to, you know, make teams care about the playoffs because that's just the way NBA is structured. That's why the playing has been success, successful. Exactly, exactly. It's because it gives teams a shot at the playoffs. So you have to make the reward coincide with the playoffs, I think, for it to for any for, – for you to make the regular season better, you have to make something – add something else that's going to make – you know, add to the playoffs. That's what's going to get the team's attention. Right. I agree. All right, Paul. Paul tweets too much. I think this is border, borderline. Boy, his name is Paul tweets too much, not Paul tweets yeah, too much. Yeah. His name is Paul tweets too much. Uh, I think this is a little ribbing at you after what he saw from the Suns today. He said, <laughs> does King I still think that. Phoenix got a championship five? So do you. <laughs> like I said, man, they have all the they have all the archetypes. They got all the roles. They got, you know, I think the talent is there. Um, I guess the two things they lack, like I said, experience and the development. Uh, the development being Aiton, obviously, uh, offensively, getting him more offensively developed, and also their wings offensively. I think while Cam and Bridges are very good, young athletic wings, and they defend, Aiton defends, all three of those guys are still underdeveloped offensively. Yep. And that's a concern for them winning it all, 
and obviously the inexperience is a concern. So like I said, the archetype, the role, the talent is there, but it's not developed and they don't have the experience. So it's still a championship five. It's just not fully developed. I agree. I think we both had the same thing with Phoenix. You were on a little earlier than I was, but I was also saying that I see all the pieces of just that they need to be sharp. Like they need to go through the fire pretty much. Yeah. Sharpened up. So that's uh, where that was. All right. From Rick, the Lakers defense is great. However, their offense, even with LeBron and AD isn't with politics, maybe ensuring gentlemen plays a large amount of minutes. How bad, Will this hurt the Lakers giving the lack of spacing, screening, and finishing and being a vertical threat <laughs> that Drummond is? Well, that's a lot of dings against Drummond. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll let Kings take this first because he actually had a good tweet about the kind of the double-edged sword that Drummond presents with the spacing after that Mavs game. So go ahead, Kings. Yeah, you know, I, I tweeted that, you know, because a lot of people – a lot of people kept trying to convince themselves that the size of LeBron, Drummond, AD would overwhelm teams. And, I mean, look, as good as Drummond is defensively, as good as he's been defensively in his physical force, do you think he's better than Dwight Howard on that end? No, I, I don't. I personally do not. Do you think he has better hands and finishes better than Dwight Howard? No, no, he's saying no, definitely not the <laughs> Dwight How- was Dwight Howard played off the floor? Yeah. Would it matter? <laughs> so there you go. You know what I mean? Like you just have to you just have to sit down and ask these basic questions, man. Like everybody keeps talking about drumming this, drumming that like ask yourself these basic questions. Like you no, know, like at the end of the day, LeBron James, I know how LeBron James works. We know how LeBron James likes to play basketball in the playoffs. Drummond will not – Drummond will be played off the floor. First of, he, first of all, even if he's not pulled off, he'll be played off the floor. Um, Drummond has good regular season value, and he has niche value against the Nets in that uh, he's nimble enough to where you can switch here and there, and he won't get totally fried – and he will attack the glass on their smaller players in ways that other bigs, you know, that the Lakers have won't. Um, and obviously he's bigger than those players, so they, it's not like a trash situation where they can use their length and, and their energy to offset any advantage Trez had with his motor. Uh, Drummond is just a big boy. But outside of the Nets, like, there's not much utility for Drummond. Um, like I said, the reason why we're so high on Gasol is that Gasol gives you things that allows you to keep a bigger lineup. Because yeah. Gasol can shoot, he can pass. So those are two things that's going to let your offense open up your offense. You know, LeBron's that that pick and pop is going to really look like the Kevin Love pick and pop. I mean, you saw how much space that gave LeBron in Cleveland going downhill. Uh, you know, what I mean, now imagine that. Uh, pick and pop with AD in the dunker spot. Now AD will actually have space for Absolutely. his lob, right? Because, you know, Gasol is actually a respectable threat. All while you still maintaining two rim protectors for your defensive end if you don't want to switch, if you want to be more bigger to defend the rim. 
And you know what I mean? So and then he's also a smart guy, so he's not gonna get in the foul trouble. He can also check the elite bigs like Embiid and Jokic because that's what his rep you know specialty is. So it's more way more pluses for Gasol and playoff hoop than there is for Drummond. Like I said, Drummond is really for one series, really, and that's not even a guarantee to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good thing to have, though. I guess. Yeah, l- listen to how they talk. They really love. I'll say this: what Drummond does, he eats a lot of possessions with the rebounding. Yeah, I'll say that. Like that, that that has. I think that has a little bit of value. But you, like you say, in the playoff scenario, if you weigh, you know, Gasol and, and Drummond, you know, the pro, I think it it, it definitely leans toward Gasol. So I'm with you there, hundred percent. And I think depending okay. on depending on the matchup, it'll definitely be like um, I can see against the you know the Clippers, I can definitely see Gasol you know being a factor. You know, I mean against the Clippers, I don't think any of them will really play. Yeah, I think AD AD will probably because they play Morris a lot. They play Morris a lot. But, but I'm saying against 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 Zubac. I'd rather put Gasol on the floor than than those minutes is what I'm saying. Yeah, like like, like I said, if you're a Lakers fan, like honestly, Drummond, like I said, the good thing is that Drummond is the better of the two for the Nets. That I have 100% agree. That's true. Won't argue there. It makes sense logically for Drummond to be there because with size advantage, his nimbleness with his feet, and he's going to punish the Nets for actually being small and he can actually switch better and dance better on the outside. But other than them, like, really, it's not much of an advantage. Like, it's really not much of an advantage, man. <laughs> it's really just not. And I think, you know, I think Vogel's earned some rope after last year, how he managed the rotation series to series. He was very flexible with what was working and what wasn't. So I think he's he's earned the, the benefit of the doubt after going through the fire last year. I mean, he's benched, he's benched Trez. Right, exactly, <laughs> you know, that, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Effectively, uh, because, you know, it wasn't a good matchup, so – I trust Vogel will definitely do what he needs to do to ensure that they they, they win games. Right. All right. Glow Capo, what are your thoughts on Point Zion? Um, they haven't changed really. I mean, he showed me he's definitely got some a little bit of you know playmaking chops and initiator chops. I just don't think you want that to be the primary source of your play initiating. He does uses so much energy, you know, attacking, attacking, attacking the rim. He literally has had nothing left on defense the last few games. Uh, I think they got to find a balance where they have another guard that can, you know, initiate offense with an attacking and not just a pass like Lonzo does. They need a, a guard who can attack and initiate. And I've heard discussions that maybe they want to move B.I. to the two and bring it to the wing and just have B.I. do it from the two spot. Uh, I think Zion is capable of initiating. I just wouldn't have a full, healthy diet of it as a staple of the offense going forward. I just like it as an option, not as the you know the the meat and potatoes of of what they do offensively. So, go ahead, Kings. Two, there's there's two major issues with Point Zion. One (laughs) is his handle good enough? I don't think so. I mean, I think he's good enough to have an effective handle to score and get to the rim, you know what I'm saying, bring the ball up here and there. But he's not – his handle's not good enough for him to run the offense, number one. Number two, his body's not where it needs to be. That to is awesome. That's a fair yeah. point because dribbling the ball, like, you know what I'm saying, it's exhausting to attack the paint 
and you need a lot of size to attack the paint because you're going to get hit a lot and you need to be able to keep body control, not fall on the floor all the time and get those bumps and bruises and all that. But when you, to be a guard, to be a ball handler, you also need to be in shape. And <laughs> not, I'm not saying that like Zion, Zion's not in shape, but you need to be in ball handling shape. That's a different type of shape. Uh, there's a reason why, you know, LeBron always toes the line between being super strong but slim but also and also being big and explosive but, you know, well-conditioned because, you know, when he went to Cleveland, what happened? He, he trimmed all that weight. We wonder, why why did you trim, you know, his weight down? Because he wanted to be the, the, the playmaker. He wanted to be the initiator. He knew for him to be able to run the offense, he's going to have to be in condition shape where Miami, you have Wade Cole and then bring up the ball often and he got to run the offense more through the half court, not as much bringing up. But when he got to Cleveland, he wanted to be the main ball handler. He had to get in that shape. Zion's not in that shape. I don't think he's anywhere near that shape. And uh, I'm not sure if you – I mean, I think you ideally you want to get him to that. I think that's the best thing for him going forward, ideally, is to get to that LeBron type of stay strong, stay dominant physically, but be in a conditioned shape for you to be able to handle the ball a lot and to, and to be able to run up and down. So I think that's going to be – I think that's his next step. And I think if he gets to that point, his defense will also skyrocket because now he won't be too exhausted to exert energy on the defensive end. So once he gets his body to where it needs to be, honestly, that's when everything will open up because that's when he'll be able to do more on top of maintaining his dominant uh, strengths that he already has. Yeah, I, I was just just speaking to the energy, like that last game against the Spurs, which effectively probably eliminated the Pelicans from, from the playoff, the play-in contention. Like the second half, I think – uh, you know, Zion, Ingram, and, and, and um, Lonzo, they scored every point except 10 points. Like, they have to do so much offensively for that team to, to function. It just takes away from what they're able to do on the other. That's not an excuse. That definitely has to change. But I'm just acknowledging the reality of, you know, where guys put their energy. <laughs> energy. Like, even in NBA history, guys, all-timers who've had to take on a big scoring load, you know, the defense suffered. Like, it's, it's been, you know, it happened with, you know, Kobe. It happened with Le- LeBron at a point where he had to carry such a load that we thought he was done being an elite defender, right? Then that changed when he got to uh, his second year at the Lakers. So, it's definitely you something know, to consider. You know, here, I'm concerned with, with, with the Pelicans, really, honestly. <laughs> and I'll say this, and I'll say why I'm concerned, because you have Bledsoe, you have Lonzo, you have Brandon Ingram, you have Adams. Your defense, I, if you're a good defensive coach, your defense should be much better than what it is. I'll I mean, say this. The, the, the Bledsoe hype is not matching the Bledsoe play. I, 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 I get that. And I, and I get that. You know, Bledsoe isn't, you know, Bledsoe, you know, wasn't, isn't as good as his rep was established. You're right. In, in Milwaukee, but he's still a solid defensive guard. And everybody tells me Lonzo has all NBA defensive potential. That's why. I mean, I even believe he does. But, and like, you know what I mean? And like, Brandon Ingram has the physical tools. And you, Steve Adams, yes, I know Steve Adams isn't, you know, the, you know, and then he's not as mobile, but he's still a very physical center. I, I just feel like they, sh- like, I just feel like, you know, if, if you're not, like, you don't have the space on offense, I get it. You don't have the offensive creativity, okay. 
But you should at least be committed to the defense. Like, I think everybody, like, everybody who watches has said that. It's just it's been mind-boggling. And I think, I'll say this about Lonzo. He's good until he gets screened. He cannot navigate screens. That's what kills him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's not a fight through the screen guy like yeah. like Dennis is. That's you know, Dennis is really good at that. But Lonzo is definitely great off ball and rotates. But yeah, you have to you don't have to be able to fight through screens, man. That's NBA uh, offense. That's NBA offense. Screens and switches. NBA, yeah, screens and switches. My, I just can't help but feel like Tip Thibodeau was their coach. Something just tells me their defense would be a lot better. I mean. Randall's playing great defense. I mean, he's always had that potential, but that's like Ingram, right? Like, they've always had the potential, but, you know, it takes certain guys to bring it out. Thibs, Brown, Randall. Thibs got R.J. Barrett playing defense. R.J. Barrett's in his second year, and it's a wing player playing plus defense. Right. That is fair. Like, and, and that, that's the questions that have circled around. And also, I think everybody's given stand a pass, given the circumstances. Like these teams aren't even practicing. I'll say this: the the right. I'll say this: the the Pelicans. I think they're they're one of the bottom five teams as far as a the fifth youngest team in the NBA. So that yeah. I think you know that's a factor. But I'm just saying, a lot of it you just can't make excuses for some of the stuff they do. But, you you I right. mean, but the Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks got a lot of young players. You know, I mean, that's they're true. relying on a lot of young players. And it's like, and here's my thing: yes, Adams. You know, the, that for the Adams, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the Adams fan club bone here. Um, Steven Adams has more utility at this point in time than Taj Gibson. So how is Taj Gibson more impactful defensively? I think Taj can move. So I think that's the that's the and also they also have I'll say this. I I have been, you know, standing on the Nerlens Noel is an elite defender hill for years and people wouldn't recognize it. And if you watch that playoff series, OKC yeah. was better with him on the floor than Steven oh, Adams yeah, on the floor. Easily. And I, I was begging for OKC to put him on the floor to, so they can close out the Rockets. So I, I and I'm watching. That. I'm like, and I was, I'm like, why is Nerlens Noel only getting a one year five million deal, one year five million dollar deal in free agency? And I'm watching all these other cats get paid. I was like, he's an elite defender in your seat. Like, he's gonna get paid this offseason at least yeah. at least double digits. Like you watch what he does defensively, he's gonna get paid. So you know that that's not gonna be a, a you know issue this year, but. I just think they have better pieces and they they fit better together. And I'll I'll say that as far as the you know the Knicks and the Pelicans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do. I I think I think we're looking at in hindsight with the fit yeah. better. Yeah. Because I think because Thibs got it to fit, we're saying it fits That's better. fair. That's fair. But, That's you know, fair. I mean, because if we looked at these rosters before the year, looking at Alfred Payton, Julius Randle, R.J. Bayer, Reggie Bullock. You know Taj Gibson. There's no there's well. There's no way you you think that's a top five defense. Like let's be honest here. Nobody in their right mind is gonna say that's that's a top five defense in the NBA. But yeah, they made it a top five defense. Getting you know Julius Randle to lock in, and then like, the only thing I'm worried about is Tibbs in the minutes, man. Wherever he goes, like Julius Randle leading the league in minutes, man. Yeah, that's, 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 the, thing. <laughs> that's the thing. He gotta get that. I'm just saying. It's funny enough. That's like. That's kind of what B.I. and Zion need. They need that guy who's going to push them to get to that shape and going to get them into that um, that that ability to exert both ends. Um, yeah, I think the Pelicans are going to have to challenge everyone from top to bottom next year to be better. Uh, I think they're playing. We're doing. They're doing too much training wheels. 
they're going to have to challenge guys to, to really take the next step from the coaching staff to the front office to the to the role players to the stars. Everybody's going to have to take the next step. I think they will be aggressive because after what AD situation was, they're not going to risk that with Zion. They say, what do you need? <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. All right. Here we go. We got some fun to end. Um, guy said, I know this is a basketball pod, but the NFL draft is coming up. Kings, who do you need? Who do you want your Raiders to get? Maples, who do you want the Cowboys to get? Kings, I know the Raiders have caused you mental anguish with the drafts process the last couple of years. Who do y'all think, uh, who do you want your Raiders to get this week, man? It's Thursday, right? Yeah, man, I'm gonna have to go back into the into the draft <laughs> archives and really look at what we what we need. I know we need DB help, uh, particularly safety help, but they feel confident with the safeties they have. Um, we have Joseph and Abrams. Uh, I think because we just picked up Carl Joseph back again. You don't like Jeff Heath? How... You you with the Jeff Heath movement? No, I'm not. I, I don't know how much longer Abram has in the league, honestly. <laughs> Shout out John Rivers, man. We don't know how long. <laughs> Shout out John Rivers, man. He does. I don't think he has long in this league, bro. Uh, we need a lot of help. And honestly, I haven't put too much energy into the NFL draft for the Raiders because, like you said, every year, no matter who you hype yourself up to, to that says, oh, this makes sense, this is a home run <laughs> draft pick, the Raiders will go, instead of right field, they will go to left field. So I'm not going to give myself any stress. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to be like, this week I'm gonna go through the draft board and be like, okay, I like these guys, I like these guys, and that's it. And whatever they do, they can do because I'm I'm done with them, man. <laughs> I'm just oh man, them. Cowboys. For me, I don't care as long as they play defense. <laughs> they need help at all three levels: D line, linebacker, secondary, anybody. If that guy can play defense, draft him. I just they don't need any more offensive players. They got three good receivers. They got the quarterback. They got a healthy old line coming back. They got the running back. They have nothing they need on offense. Defensive players. They need stops. The Cowboys have not won a game they scored less than 30 in in two years. Okay? You got to score 30 points to win football games. That is not <laughs> good. You have to uh, address the defense. So that's where I am with the Cowboys. So there. We got it. We got the the – the two minutes of Mel, the Mel Kuyper uh, talk from Mabels and Kings. All right. We appreciate you. There was, there was literally like 15 more questions, but we just didn't want to kill. It's been already, already been, (laughs) but we will do this probably at least once a month. You guys keep tapping in. Uh, We appreciate you guys hit that follow and subscribe. uh, Whether you're on Spotify or iTunes uh, or Google podcasts, Uh, appreciate the feedback. Keep tapping in with us. We are out of here. We are back next week. Y'all be smooth.